to let you know that the CL podcasts are officially sponsored by our partners Rice Up. Rice Up, healthy and functional snacks. Welcome to Food for Thought, the CL podcast. Uh, we will always need to eat, so farming and food processing will always have a future. But the changes impacting these sectors are huge. At a time of transitions, reinventions and global social responsibility, CL Paris is reaffirming its ambition by uniting food professionals around the major transformations taking place in the industry. I'm David Addison, and in this edition of Food for Thought, we turn our attention to Australasia. At CL Paris recently, Anastasia Nishlianidza, the Trade and Investment Commissioner, UK and Ireland at Australian Trade and Investment Commission, spoke to Neil Cole about the industry down under. So in Paris, I found myself in a corner of Australia, uh, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Anastasia or Anna Lisnianidze. Uh, so Anna, first of all, uh, tell us what you do and what you're doing here. Yeah, so thank you for coming to visit us uh, to the Australian corner. Uh, so I represent Australian Trade and Investment Commission and we help Australian businesses connect uh, to uh, opportunities across the world and uh, particularly across Europe. Um, and we also work with an international businesses helping them expand to Australia. And in this case today here we are showcasing Australian wonderful um, food and drink products. Um, so we've got 22 companies here um, ranging from red meat, seafood, to wine, spirits, um, honey, you name it, um, the best that Australia has to offer. First of all, what does it mean for you to be at Seattle Paris 2022? Look, it means a lot for us because I think Australia hasn't really been present in the European market a lot in the past, um, but we do have a very unique offering. Um, we're not here to compete with some amazing produce that already exists across Europe, but we're here to offer something different. Um, so we do have a wonderful variety of seafood that can't be found anywhere else in the world. Patagonian toothfish, yellowtail kingfish, um, a rock lobster, they're all very unique products um, that can only be sourced around our Australian shores and we can bring them to the world. Similarly, we have unique honey like Manuka honey, Jara honey, that's also different and we want to introduce those flavours to Europe and broader to the world. So it means a lot for us to be here. Um, it's the first time we're present at Seattle um, and hopefully it's the beginning of the many more Seals to come. Now, Australia has always been a, a leader in food and drink trends. Can you give us a bit of background as to why that is and, uh, you know, some examples? Of course. Well, look, I think in Australia we have to innovate. Um, you know, we're so far from the rest of the world, so we need to think about how we uh, produce and um, export our products in a smarter way. Um, we also um, have particular, um, uh, I guess, weather conditions. It's, it's really hot in Australia, in a lot of parts of Australia. So our um, farmers also need to adapt to how they produce their products. Um, so there is a lot of innovation that's happening. Um, I guess some of the examples 
would be that our um, our wine uh, uh, regions invest a lot into uh, looking at how can they produce wine in a way that uses less water, more adaptable to heat, and then beyond that, they look at different um, packaging solutions. Um, so today we have some wine um, that's actually in cans, but it's actually really high quality uh, wine, but uh, it is in, made in cans because the cans are more recyclable, um, they're lighter, they're easier to keep at, um, at uh, cooler temperatures, and uh, the transportation costs are lower. So I guess that's one example. Um, another example is our um, uh, red meat industry, our seafood industry. Um, they all have been um, known to be certified as carbon neutral, a lot of the supplies, and that's because they lost, uh, invest a lot into um, uh, giving back to the environment, let's put it that way. Uh, so they run uh, biodiversity programs where they do a lot of tree replanting in specific areas across Australia uh, where they can, uh, I guess, give back in terms of some of the emissions that are generated um, through their processes. Um, one of our um, seafood uh, exporters and producers, Austral Fisheries, they're also um, one of the only fisheries in the world that currently has a hybrid fishing vessel. So they're piloting that and seeing how that goes. Um, and look, the distance, it, it, it is because we're far, but we would like to find ways uh, on, around how can we be carbon neutral, how can we be leaders in sustainability um, and address some of those uh, concerns that might be um, there because we're so far and our products are travelling such a long distance. Um, as well as the Australia's very positive drive for net zero, which you're clearly, the, your industry is playing a big part in, waste is important as well, because I think by 2025, Australia wants to have 100% all packaging, compostable or recyclable or reusable. Yes. Uh, so how does, the, how does how's your industry working towards that? Yes, no, absolutely. So they've all committed to the target of 2025 or earlier, which is very exciting. Um, I mentioned uh, uh, the, the wine in a can. Um, we also have here today um, Capilano Honey, and they uh, have here with them today packaging that uses 45% less plastic. Um, so it's a new packaging. They only introduced it, I would say, a couple of months ago. But you know, it's 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 um, a huge advancement in terms of the usage of plastic, and all of their packaging has been re fully recyclable for many years already. So um, uh, so that has advanced quite significantly in in that sense. Um, so the so industry is definitely looking in this area and trying to innovate as much as possible uh, to come up with the new ways. Um, some of our wine producers actually starting to produce wine in their fully recyclable plastic bottles, which is different to you know having the glass bottle. And we all know that uh, glasses, it requires a lot of more energy to recycle. So they're moving to plastic and uh, those bottles are looking actually pretty good. So <laughs> that's pretty impressive. I'm, I wasn't sure about wine out of a plastic bottle, but you know, uh, we've got adapt uh, and certainly our industry is doing that. Um, also, I noticed macadamia here. People might be surprised at the role that rice and nuts plays in this change and in the industry in Australia. Yes, no, absolutely. So macadamia is a very unique nut and it's it's actually, um, Australia is one of the few countries that grows macadamia nuts, so, nuts, so it is quite unique to us. Um, so our macadamia industry has invested a lot into research to look at how they can actually help offset the carbon emissions. So the macadamia nut actually um, can 
produce, uh, I guess, chemicals that reduce the carbon that's being produced into the ecosystem, and that's what they're doing a lot. So it's actually, uh, I think the wording is they're carbon carbon positive because they are um, the, the the production of it is actually offsetting um, so much, so many carbon emissions. Uh, in, when it comes to our rice industry, um, we are actually known and have been um, formally recognised uh, to use 50% less water um, when we produce our, when we I guess grow our rice, uh, and that's due to the research. There's been a long-standing partnership between our rice growers and Australian research um, organisations to look at the ways of how we can reduce the water usage because water has been always a very precious resource to us in Australia. Um, uh, so there's a lot of investment that went into it, and, and yeah, now we're 50% less than the rest of the world, which is pretty exciting. That's great. Um, obviously, as an island nation, and you've mentioned already the, the various seafoods. Um, and there's, there's tracking the Aussie prawn is a, is a phrase people may know. Tra traceability is is very important. Can you expand a little bit on on some of the latest innovations in terms of traceability? Yes, absolutely. So yes, so tracking the Aussie prawn is certainly something um, that we have uh, rolled out. Uh, so uh, they're using blockchain technology to uh, trace the prawn from a moment it's caught to the to sort of full all of the processing processes uh, travel across the world depending on where it's going into the point that it gets onto your plate. Um, so consumers can scan QR codes and check where their prawn been, how it's been treated along the way, which is really um, uh, amazing. And it's, it's not just uh, those programs. Uh, we've uh, Our Jarra honey producers, who are also here with us on the stand today, they use traceability to um, and traceability technology to also track uh, the honey-making process. So from a point where the bees, um, uh, the bees produce the honey to the point once again that it's um, packaged and gets to the consumer all of that can be tracked along the way as well which is amazing and to be honest I'd love to understand the details of how they actually do it through tech uh, but uh, I'm not an expert but I've seen I've scanned the QR codes and I've checked it out and it's pretty amazing the data and information that it can show you. That's really cool. Um, the key phrase here at Seattle 2022 is own the change. You've already expanded quite a lot on how you and your businesses are making a difference with sustainability and stuff, but what does that phrase, own the change, mean for you and how are you owning the change? Yes, very good question. Look, I think I will go back to sustainability point, but I think it's um, what 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 works for Australia is that it, it's at all levels. So our uh, our government have made the commitment that we're going to reduce our carbon emissions by 45% uh, by 2030, and then we will be uh, we will 100% uh, of our emissions will be reduced by 2050. All of our industries have signed up to various targets as well. Our wine industry are looking at the target of uh, net zero emissions by 2035 and then zero emissions uh, by 2050 as well. Our meat industry by 2030 and a lot of the companies that operate within those industries are already being certified as common neutral and like I said running a number of different programs that showcase what they're doing to, in return. Um, they're using renewable energy, they're leading the way in, in terms of using wind and solar on, on their uh, facilities. So I think it's, it's the industry, it's the government, everyone is innovating and owning this, this tar those targets um, and so there's a real commitment behind it. Brilliant. Um, so this is the beginning of um, Seattle and I can see your stand is quite busy. What do you hope to get out of it this weekend? Who are you expecting or seeing already at your stand? Look, we 
we would like to introduce Australian offering to European audience. That's our main priority. Um, we're hoping to see um, buyers from various in um, various areas and industries. We're hoping to see some buyers from retail. We're hoping to see some buyers from food service. Um, we it, it's really it, it, it's the whole industry that we really want to connect with and show them what Australia can offer and where can we can offer unique. Uh, products and solutions where we can fill some gaps because there's also you know there's so much happening geopolitically that's creating a lot of tensions and potential you know issues where we can't source certain products maybe Australia can help and maybe we can be a source of those products as well and in terms of looking outwards will you be looking at other ideas because we're in the, the sort of national pavilions so that you're next door to Brazil and Peru and USA which is an unusual position for Australia to be in um, so give us an idea if you're actually looking out at other ideas or what you will be looking forward to in terms of events this weekend um, look, I mean, we will be walking the floors and we will be visiting all the halls and talking to as many people as we can to invite them over or to uh, bring some things towards the, to, to them and, and show them um, what we have. Um, look, yes, we, we are in this uh, international uh, pavilion um, this time around. I mean, in the future, I'd hope that we could grow our presence. Um, there are actually some Australian companies represented in other halls as well. So um, Thomas Foods International, one of our um, beautiful red meat producers, I believe, are in, a, in a, one of the meat holes. So um, we, we, we sort of present on other areas. Our almond producers are in a, in the bakery um, section. So we've got a bit of presence across the place. But, um, you know, we will be walking around and we will be talking to people. So come and see us or we might come and see you. Um, and in the future, back in two years, you know, with bigger and, and more offering. Okay, thank you very much and good luck this weekend. Thank you. Thanks very much. Fascinating to hear from a different part of the world, isn't it? Now, let's catch up quickly on some of the recent industry news. Results from the Kantar Insights Food360 Study 2022, which created the CL Insights Trend Study, show that satisfaction is an important factor in shaping the behaviour and expectations of consumers and is also becoming a more complex area of study. In summary, 71% of survey respondents said they expected food to be enjoyable, an increase of one percentage point from the previous survey. This is the first time there has been an increase in six years. The report draws a fundamental connection between food and people's emotions and how it has been and is a haven during times of crisis and uncertainty. Enjoyment was cited as the number one focus for innovation, with nearly one in two innovations in the food industry putting enjoyment as their number one focus. The survey also shows that consumers do not want to have to choose between enjoying their food and eating healthy or ethical products. The last few years have led consumers to ask fundamental questions about the food industry, especially regarding its impact on the environment, as well as ethical concerns for animals. Some 41% of respondents said they felt guilty about eating meat and had concerns about animal suffering. Another significant point is that following lockdowns, consumers decided to reclaim their homes, identified as a space of security, comfort and pleasure. Kantar Insights found that 56% of consumers were found to have cooked more since 2020. 
The quest for new tastes manifests itself in many forms for consumers, be it powerful tastes, original, natural ingredients, or unusual ingredient combinations, chocolate and seaweed, for example. More specifically, the report found there is a market for innovation with sweet flavours. For example, new yoghurt flavours, including vanilla, tangerine, yuzu, and even lavender. Ice creams and sorbets also present themselves as good flavour experiments with exciting tastes and textures, such as champagne. The winners of the much-awaited gold, silver and bronze prizes, as well as the special Own the Change and Public Award prizes, have been revealed at the official 2022 CL Innovation Awards ceremony. The gold award went to Iodé by Zalg from the frozen products product sector. It was frozen seaweed ready to sauté for a crispy texture made with Breton microalgae rich in iodine fibre and minerals. It was selected for its easy-to-use, delicious, healthy, practical and fair trade attributes. The silver award was taken by 100% fresh frozen wolfia by Thai Coconut Public Company Limited. That came from the fruits and vegetables sector. It's a frozen water meal rich in plant-based protein, rich in fibre, minerals and vitamins. And it was selected because it's an easy-to-cultivate, excellent plant-based protein source. Bronze went to Mate Terragui First Experience Kit by Establecimiento Las Marias. It came from the non-alcoholic beverages product sector and is a kit for preparing yerba mate, a source of caffeine, antioxidants, vitamin B and minerals. Consumer taste test results show that Australian goat meat has a high acceptance amongst domestic consumers who score it, on average, over 50 points, which means it is considered a good everyday product. This has flagged the meat's potential for domestic consumption. The studies were undertaken as part of a research project led by Dr. Jared Lees at the University of New England. He was investigating whether farmed high-quality goat meat can be differentiated by consumers as effectively as beef and lamb. Dr. Lees undertook the research at UNE using 12 boa goat carcasses weighing 23 to 24 kilograms, procured from a commercial partner and processed at a domestic abattoir in western New South Wales. Carcasses were boned out into eating quality samples using cuts presented similarly to lamb, including the loin, rack, rump, shoulder, leg, shank and knuckle. This provides a positive outlook on goat meat. Furthermore, with an average willingness to pay 18 Australian dollars per kilo for good everyday meat and 32 Australian dollars per kilo for premium quality, there is sure to be a market for goat meat in Australia. That's it for this edition of Food for Thought, the CL podcast. Feel free to like, share and comment on the podcasts and keep an eye on the CL newsroom with news for Europe, Asia and the Americas. For now, from me, David Addison, it's goodbye. Rice Up are the official partners of the CL podcast. Rice Up, healthy and functional snacks.